you who possess the GN drives. I have decided to place my faith in you, and I am entrusting you with my last and greatest hope, the full abilities of the GN drive. I pray that you will continue fighting in order to attain true peace and eradicate the scourge of war from our planet. Not for the sake of celestial being, but of your own will, together with Gundam. All right, everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is going to be episode 30. This is actually going to be kind of a shortened um, episode than what we've had normally. And um, a lot of this is uh, gearing up for our appearance at Megacon at the end of uh, February. And in this episode, we're going to be dealing with... Um, we're going back to like a, a top 10, or actually this is going to be a top 5 favorite, least favorite antagonists of the Gundam franchises. And you're going to hear some of our thoughts on that, um, on some of the you know the best and worst of some of the villains in our opinions. Um, and then we'll be finishing up with another installment of Gundam Roundup dealing with uh, MS Igloo, the hidden one-year war. We've actually split the MS Igloo apart. We're going to be dealing with Apocalypse 0079 in a later episode. But first, I'm going to say hey to uh, Soulbro and Chris. How are you guys doing? Hey, yo. Yo. <laughs> Um, all right, so um, I'm going to be doing some news right now, but I'm just going to be doing some uh, listener-submitted news because it's kind of light on the news front. And the first one here is from a submitter, Rushi Ramparouche. And uh, he actually got this off of the Sankaku Complex. And they're t I know we've always kind of uh, wondered about some of the TV ratings in Japan uh, when it comes to Double O and Code Geass. And actually, the Double O TV ratings have uh, basically... Based on the uh, title here, TV ratings for Gundam 00 Soar, Trounce's Code Geist R2. And if you go to the link on the Neo's News uh, submitted listener submitted news articles and take a look at this, they actually show from episode 1 to 11, side by side of R2 and the second season of 00. And the Code Geist R2 total average for the first 11 episodes was 2.4, with uh, 00 being 4.7. So, um, oh. You know, it's uh, definitely doing a lot better, and I'm sure that a lot of that is because of the um, name recognition of uh, being a Gundam show. But um, I was kind of surprised about this in the article. They talk about how R2 was having rather dismal ratings for its time slot. I guess we'll see how it ends when Double uh, O finishes up. It'd be kind of interesting to see what happens there. So next, uh, uh, next article is from uh, Marmaru, and this is off the Anime News Network. And this is some that good news. The legendary. <laughs> the man Still responsible man. for Pundum. <laughs> that band that guy so many times. He is. He has now become legendary and he has become Chris's red rival. Oh, man. Awesome. Um, but this is some good news. In the New, New York Comic Con uh, that uh, finished up a couple weeks ago, uh, Bandai has announced that they're going to be releasing all of the Mobile Suit, Double, Mobile Suit Gundam 00. Uh, mangas to the United States, and um, that's they're going to start. Not all of them. There's two different ones that adapt Double O, and Bandai Entertainment only has one of them. Okay, I guess I'm reading this. But they also there. have Double O F as well as uh, yeah, not believe. So they'll yeah. probably be doing Double O P, although that's not specifically mentioned. So um, there's no release date or anything, but that's kind of good news that we're getting. Uh, we're going to be getting some side story stuff coming over. So um, definitely something. 
uh, interesting there. And actually, the last last listener submitted news article that I have is from Zero Buster XX, and this is for all our gaming fans out there. Um, on the Altus website, they put a press release. Uh, speaking about Super Robot Tyson OG Saga Endless Frontier on the DS is going to be released on April 28th in 2009. So, um, you know, everybody that is fans of this, uh, check it out. They're going to have a premiere box release with a soundtrack CD from the game. And, you know, that's pretty much it there. So we'll definitely um, update you guys when it comes to any other news on that. So. They, need, they need to announce when their next live concert is, man. I love those albums. They're the Super Robot Wars live concerts where they oh. do all, like, all the themes for the different shows live. Those things always rock out, man. I love those, Joey. It'd be but, really um, cool. That's I uh, just want to thank everybody for the news there, and you know, like I said, this is going to be kind of the abbreviated version of Gundam. You know, as we're kind of preparing for the MegaCon appearances that we're going to be having there. So definitely check MHQ.net for any updates, and um, you know, keep sending us some news articles on the Mecha Talk site through the Neo's listener submitted news articles threads. So, uh, Solbro, Chris, any words before we get into uh, some good stuff here? Oh, uh, yes, I do have some news, actually. Oh, my okay. God, go oh, ahead. Now, from the Gundam News Center in Miami, Florida. <laughs> Bring it over to Chris Quache. Well, you know, well ahead of you know, the time this episode's actually coming out, but just after the time we've, we've recorded this, uh, I recently started up for MHQ, our own uh, Twitter feed. That is right. Nice. So I've been Twittering with uh, Gundam information, uh, MHQ updates, just communicating with fans who send me messages. So it's going to be used as a way to, you know, get out quick information. Uh, also, in the event that, you know, there's outages on either Megatalk or MHQ, I will be, you know, posting updates on uh, Twitter because, you know, I can very quickly post things there and get out information to people. So... Uh, if you want to bookmark the page or subscribe to the RSS feed, it's www.twitter.com slash mahq.net. And that's all spelled out, so you have to go to m-a-h-q-d-o-t-n-e-t. All right. Because Good. some other guy took mahq and uh, doesn't even use it. There's not a single post or anything on it. But. Oh, so that's why. So it's M-A-H-Q-D-O-T-N-E-T. And just go to that Twitter page. You can bookmark it. Uh, if you use Firefox, there's a fantastic extension, which is what I use, called Twitterfox, that gives you little pop-ups of new messages and lets you uh, post messages directly from there. You can check it from your cell phone. Uh, you can subscribe to an RSS feed and you know use an RSS reader to see the latest updates. So uh, hopefully... And we'll get a lot of followers going so that people can stay up to date on information. And it's just another tool for people to interact with us. Great. Excellent, man. That's, that's really good news. You, you also, if anything, I, I'll, I, then, then it'll be also linked on the um, Gundam.net website as well. I'll make sure to ha- make that happen. I will. Absolutely. Daggone right. Well, anything <laughs> but, else, Chris? Uh, that's it for now. All right. I just want to um, just re-extend the invitation for anybody who's attending Megacon 2009. We will be having two live shows there um, on Saturday. We're on the sorry Saturday, February 28th. We're doing a live show for Gundam, and on March the first, Sunday, Chris and Dale are doing a panel for MAHQ, which will also be recorded and part of the whole Megacon special. So everybody listening, make your way down to Orlando, Florida, at the um, Orange County Convention Center for Megacon. We will see you there. 
can't wait. And um, we'll do it all over again, just like last year. That's Except this time with more Battlestar Galactica people. Yes, yes. indeed. Yes, indeed. Cylons are welcome. And uh, hey, just, and, uh oh, Trisha Helfers, yeah, that's all I need to know. Damn right. And uh, just, uh, you know, if there's uh, all any changes or anything for the Megacom panels, I know on Saturday we're from 12 to 2, and on Sunday it's 3 to 4. Uh, the we have the room. I don't have the rooms in front of me, but we do have that stuff posted on MHQ, and we'll have it on the Mecha Talk and the Gundam at MHQ threads. So yep. if there's well, any updates. The rooms are W224B for both events. So if All there's right. any change, they'll be posted to that Mecha Talk thread on MHQ.net and also on Twitter. Yeah. yeah well, so just just keep because you know we never know. Yeah, so, but for you know, not ninety-five percent sure that that's the rooms <laughs> that are going to have. So, um, by, by all means, peep the websites the day before. If anything, that that no, for the day the, of, or the day of for up-to-date information, just in case there are any changes, because um, you so never know what the can happen. Way we'll find it. But um, other well, than in the case that, of day of, since I won't be near any computer, then it would definitely have to be Twitter. Twitter. Yep. that's I can, that's all I can use for my cell phone. But <laughs> so. But um, well, if that's it, we'll just be going on to our first segment. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or a bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. Describe what Marcellus Wallace looks like. What? Say what again. Say what again. I dare you. I double dare you, mother... Say what one more goddamn time. All right, everybody, welcome back to the 17th installment of Gundam Roundup. This time we're going to be going into the first three episodes of MS Igloo, the Hidden One-Year War. It's a three-episode OVA, and they're basically the stories uh, self-contained within each episode. We follow uh, a Lieutenant Oliver May. He's a, um, he's a technical officer who's doing a lot of weapons testing uh, aboard a sh- uh, former civilian cargo ship called the Jonaheim. And we just see some of the things that are going on with some of the fantastic weapons that the Xeon were always coming up that we saw in most of the shows. So um, it was all computer generated and uh, it actually looks like uh, Final Fantasy. It's uh, it's all stuff through the UC timeline during the One Year War, and like we said, most of the stories are pretty much self-contained, so there's no overlap through, uh, you know, from episode one to three. So um, we're just going to kind of talk about that. Um, probably hand it over to Chris. Uh, what are some of your thoughts of uh, the Hidden One Year War? Yeah, it stinks. <laughs> <laughs> das good. Yeah, it's not good. No, nine. <laughs> 
should probably mention that uh, this OAV was directed by Takashi Imanishi, who was the director of 0083. Oh, yeah. So, unfortunately, uh, one of the things that's ever present in this series, even more so than it was in 0083, is this guy's, like, total Nazi fetish. <laughs> because, yeah. good God. I mean, it was bad enough in 0083. Like, guys with Germanic names and ships with Germanic names and, you know, these, like, beefcake Aryans on Seamus' ship. Yeah. But then, man, in this series, it's like every freaking brother, everybody and their little brother is some kind of Aryan, and every freaking weapon has some Germanic name. Yep. Or, you know, the uniforms look like they just got them out of a time warp from the Nazi discount store. Or his uh, commanding officer, Colonel Klink. <laughs> Uh, Oliver's commanding officer. <laughs> yeah, so as I've mentioned in the past, one of the things I really, really have disliked about the side stories is the very blatant Nazification of Zeon because, as I don't want to sound like a broken record, but in the original series, it was very subtle yeah. without like shoving it in your face like, these guys have German names and the weapons have German names and the suits have German names and the ships have German names and the uniforms look exactly like World War II because it is like World War II, but in space! Yeah. It's like, yeah, thanks, I, I couldn't tell. Except for the captain. He, uh, he looked like Admiral Yamamoto. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the captain, he's like he was he's like that he's he's that Japanese cliche of like yep. the, the the sage wizened old captain who only says things when is necessary and and always has the right plan at exactly the right moment. Yeah, but he had the he had out of all the other uniforms, his was the only one that was different cuz he had like the the Imperial Navy uniform. <laughs> it's like where did they get this guy? <laughs> <laughs> That's my biggest complaint about yeah. about Igloo, that uh, it's just so over-Nazifying everything. It looks like, yeah. you know, a World War II movie set in space, which I think was their intention. The other thing, you know, you know, for all these Xeon fanboys who love Xeon and think Xeon is great and that massacring civilians is, is a good thing to do, uh, this is their OAV, because, man, does this OAV oh, yeah. really, really, really glorify Xeon? And make oh, yeah. the Federation look like complete dicks. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's straight uh, down I, to the Grand Theft Zaku episode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these the Federation. The, you, you, they try to make it look like the Federation are the monsters. Now I could understand if you know we were seeing an edited Zeon propaganda film. Yeah. But that's not the perspective. Us. We're seeing this live through our eyes as the viewer that this show is actively trying to portray the Federation as the villains. Straight down as, to the grunts. As the colony flies by the ship. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> heading to Earth. <laughs> so the, the lack of balance kind of um, bothers yeah. me because, in my opinion, you know, the showing the humanity of both sides, 0080 is still the best when it comes to that. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. it really is, you know, the only OAV in the one-year war era that shows good people on both the Zeon and Federation side, and it's not just a bunch of extremists on both sides, but Igloo goes out of its way to have Zeon be, you know, the wronged, righteous people, yeah. and the Federation, they're all the earthbound, you know, oppressors. Yeah, so, if, if, if you really get the sense that, it, it, well, if you didn't watch any of the other Mobile Suit Gundams, you would actually think that Zeon were the ones that were attacked first yeah it wasn't the other way around you think they were the victims the entire time oh my god and granted i mean i know that i know they didn't have their freedom and everything like that they wanted um autonomy and they didn't get it so they took whatever means necessary but you, you gotta admit and, and and of course this is brought up in the first episode when they show the colony drop but 
you know, you got to admit, it, what homegirl tried to justify that right there on the bridge? And it's like, there's no justification for that. You know how many people you killed? And in the Battle of Loom later on, yeah. in a populated... I mean, granted, it was the first fleet fleet battle to go down in space, organized fleet battle to go down in space. You can look at it as the Super Bowl of fleet <laughs> of fleet battles, but they had the nerve to do it in a populated area. And Zeon gave him all that um, false information just to, to set it up, to set the battle up right there, and that was wrong from the get go. And you know they couldn't put it, did it in an asteroid field. No, they had to do it at the battle. They had to do the battle loom at you know side five. And you know that that whole side paid the price for it in the end. Yeah, yeah. And you know, there's there's no excuse for that. Xeon was in the wrong for most of those most of those strategies on in space and on Earth during the, during the one year war. And I I, I love this OVA regardless. I thought it was awesome, but I, I see what you mean. They, they tried to um to to paint them as the um as the as the protagonist. Yeah, and I don't want to sound like I'm some Federation apologist because I don't really care about either side. Yeah. But the truth is that it's glorifying a side that you know, it's government yeah. perpetrated mass genocide. Yep. yep. Willfully. And not just mass genocide. Mass genocide on the people that it claimed it wanted to protect because who 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 got gassed in all those colonies? Space noids. Yep. Yeah. Who was in all those colonies that got destroyed uh, in the Battle of Loom? Space noids. Yeah. So the very people that Giran Zabi and all these other maniacs proclaimed to be standing up, they were the ones murdering them. Yeah. So that's what that's the big thing about this this series that bothers me is that it portrays Zeon as the wronged party. In, even in the midst of all of their genocidal acts. Yeah. But in terms of the actual content of the show itself, um, I think it's interesting in some of the other things it shows, which is it emphasizes the complete disorganization oh, God, in Xeon yeah. Yeah. because you've got these people testing out this this uh, this cannon weapon, the Jormungan, in the first episode, mm-hmm. and they think that they're going to be like the ace weapon of the Battle of Loom, only to find out that it's really going to be the Zakus yeah. via a clever cameo by by Shar. Yeah. And they basically see that they were lied to by their own government and were just put up as a propaganda showpiece and that the Jormungand was never going to be you know what they thought it was going to be. Even though as we saw the thing had potential. Oh yeah. yeah. But the the leadership just abandoned them and threw them aside and that just sort of goes along with all of the backstabbing and factionalism and disorganization we see in Zeon in all of the other series including the original. Yeah, you could definitely see that they were destined to fail. Yeah. You know that 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 war they were destined to lose that war because when you're testing these weapons and even even through, you know, towards the end of the of the Hidden One Year War, Oliver's like, "Why are we doing this? You know, we're not going to use this stuff. It's it's there's no need for it. We're spending our wheels." Yeah. I mean, and... I didn't even realize how many groups there were, like different corporations there were that were yeah. making weapons weapons you know and you know a lot of them you know this it's it's no different from the weapons industry and in, in, you know in the real world where you know you have all these companies that are contracted to make these weapons and then they put them out in the in in in, in real-time situations in order to um to see how they turn out but you know it just seemed that pilot uh, uh, it's situation of the situation the 603 were given these these really crappy weapons <laughs> the but the thing is they weren't crappy they were good if they were given the resources they need, the German gun was not a bad weapon. In it episode wasn't. two, the uh, tank that's sort of like sort of Lysionic gun tank that was a freaking awesome weapon. That was my yeah. favorite of the three. That was that was the one and with the 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 tic tac pill popping pilot. <laughs> yep. I mean that guy was kicking ass. I mean this guy took down six Zaku single handedly yep. with this 
gun tank kind of thing that was way better than a gun tank. It was. But you didn't have the proper... Hey, 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 hey. Hey, gun tank's a piece of crap. Hey! Long live the Hildolfer. Um... I'm not even getting into this, man. Hey, this is, this wasn't is, it awesome when that freaking tank I know. like just burst its armor and a freaking half mobile suit jumps out of it? Yes. Like, oh my god, what the heck is this? Yes, it was, but do not discount the the smirch gun tank. Yeah, the smirch gun tank. I am I am besmirching the gun tank. Oh. And, Come on. And, and like the Moon Knights, I'm giving it the finger as hard as I can. Oh, hey man. man. In Federation vs. Zeon, it's one of the best things to have. Somewhere oh, yeah, no doubt. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's ugly and it's stupid and hey, it's better. Hey, you've so, never seen... Uh, yeah, I'm sure you've seen the Shark Custom, though, so it, it got even better with that. Somewhere Hayato is crying. Yeah, I'm crying. <laughs> but, yeah, back and, to... And Ryu's <laughs> probably crying, too, but nobody cares about him. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, in terms of episode three, that's probably the only like real piece of crap. Yeah, that they had. Um, yeah, the Zuda, the the mobile suit that if you break the speed limit, it explodes. <laughs> <laughs> now it was interesting that there was you know this this bid for the mobile suits. You know, which one? You know that they had a couple companies that were bidding to to outfit Xeon with a mobile suit. Right. Yeah. But yeah, the the whole thing with the Zuda because it, it was just an ugly design. Um, I hate. I hate the uh, the bar in the middle. I don't understand why you would have a bar in the middle of the mono eye. I, I never understood that. I, I know it looks like a football helmet, yeah. and, you know, <laughs> but it's just like yeah, and like you said, it's like oh, you know, don't don't go to the speed limit. You, you can't pass anybody with the uh, the Zudith because uh, in in real life, wasn't there an experimental plane that also did that? Well, I'm sure, yeah, there's yeah, I mean, I mean like, there's a lot there's, of experimental jets that have probably blown apart, but I don't think that any contractor or the U.S. military or any military in the world would have something that breaks apart and then a few years later, like, change the model number and try to pass it off as something new yeah. when it's still the exact same piece of crap. Because yeah. even though Xeon was trying to do it for propaganda purposes, it backfired in their faces because... You know, they tried to they tried to like hype this thing up as like the GM killer. Yeah. Right. When it was a piece of crap that would explode if you broke the speed limit. <laughs> Jesus. And then the Federation was keenly aware of that when they put out their own propaganda movie countering that. Wasn't it guys and balls laughing at it? Weren't there guys and balls that were laughing yeah. at it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were guys and balls like, what the hell is it's like, oh it's that stupid mobile suit that breaks apart. <laughs> it's like, man, you got guys and balls making fun of you. Yeah. That's pretty sad. Yeah, because yeah, they're they're marked for death. That's I mean, <laughs> and it, I didn't have a problem with them not showing the Federation, except mm. for when they jacked the Zaku's. It made no sense to me. Where they they showed you know the Federation just kind of faceless, or the way you would see it if you were you know for with uh, in the Zeon group. Yeah, you know you would only see you know the GM or the ball. You would never really see the pilots. Right. But the reason you know when they were showing it when the, in the tank one, and and like Chris said, that was probably the best. The best of the three yeah, was um, no doubt. You know, and even though that guy was creepy, well, and, you mean the, the pill popping dude? Yeah, and all those really? guys. The, I the guy that irritated me the most though What's that? was uh, the gunner, the gunnery oh, sergeant. Yeah, yeah, he, he got. He was so. Oh. That dude could not listen. To, that dude could not listen to commands <laughs> to save his life. That dude needed a bright slap more than anyone in that show. <laughs> he was he was loud and annoying. But one thing that goes to say about this tank episode, which definitely is the best episode of uh, of Hidden One Year War, mm-hmm. that the head of those Federation pilots, yeah. in George Nakata. 
Really? Oh, really? The, the the Cyclops? Yes. I mean, you can tell it a mile away. The, the, the guy with the one eye. Yeah, the Cyclops pilot in the Cyclops mobile suit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Patchy. I didn't know that. I, you know what? His voice was familiar. I didn't realize it was George Nakata, man. Old Smoothie, man. I love that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, uh, in this little, like, you know, voice actors who appeared in Things Together, mm-hmm. uh, Jun Fukuyama plays uh, Washia, the kind of, like, that wimpy Japanese guy. Yeah. yeah. Of course, him and George Nakata were both together in Stargazer. Uh-huh. And, of course, they were both together in Kogius. And, of course, they're both together in, in the classic. In Count of Monte Cristo. Yes, sir. These two guys just keep showing up together in a whole bunch of anime. I don't know why that is. That's awesome. One thing I didn't like that sort of becomes a, a cliche throughout both parts of this series, and even from what I'm seeing in MS Igloo 2, but that's for another roundup, is that <laughs> the test pilot has to die at the end of every episode. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little pissed about that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, yeah, that... Yeah, when I when I when it, you know when you especially you, you you really it really gets solidified when you go to you know the tank episode. You're just like, okay, this is going to be the pattern from now on. That every one of these guys, you're going to get a new weapon, and each one of these guys is going to die in some kind of stupid way. You, you know, you know the tank pilot was marked. Yeah, and there's always a sad lament for them as yeah. they die. <laughs> you you knew the tank pilot was going to die though when he turned out to be a dopehead in the first place. He's coming in popping those pills. He didn't look like he had long for long to live anyway. You know, he just. <laughs> He looked like he was on the last the last days of his life. <laughs> Which makes you wonder, though, uh, this the the 603rd technical unit. Um, what kind of like oversight do they have if they have a hundred percent failure rate? <laughs> yeah, of all of the crap that they test, because they also test. There's there, there's an Emisiglu manga should mention where they test uh, different weapons, mm-hmm. like a giant cannon attachment for a Zaku. I haven't read it, so I don't know if it fails there. But going <laughs> by the by uh, going by the uh, template here, those probably fail too. Oh. <laughs> oh, so I don't know what's up with those guys. But um, all that kidding aside, one of the things I do like about this series as a refreshing change is that the main character Oliver, yeah. uh, at least in this half of the series, pilot. is a non-combatant, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and his viewpoint is totally different because he is an engineer who wants to make this junk work, and he doesn't understand why the bureaucracy and all of the the powers that be are doing all of the stupid things that they're doing. And you see his journey as he's starting out as a green college graduate yep, right because he was right out of technical school when he got into the first episode and then you know slowly because each episode jumps further and further into the war you know and you start to see how the the war is getting worse and worse for the zeon from you know operation british you know up through odessa and beyond and uh you get to see sort of like how he becomes a little jaded yep. and uh a bit more world weary versus, you know, the bright-eyed, fresh recruit. Yeah, yeah you, you really feel sorry for him because he's just put in an impossible situation. I mean, he, he after the first episode, you basically find out, you know, he comes to the realization that what whatever they do, whatever results that come out of this, doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's no, the Zeon's not going to adopt anything. And like you said, each one of these test pilots is always buying the farm and he's starting to get really kind of like well you know these poor guys were sending them out in these crappy weapons and they're just going to die and nobody's going to care like it's you know it's it's not like if they their deaths are even going to matter on anything and um yeah it's that was the refreshing part i just I, i i like it but i just i don't know i'm it's it's a good watch but it's a tough watch and I mean, it's it's just not something I'm going to be um, 
you know, hidden one-year war. I'm just, you know, and even in even the second half of um, Apocalypse 79, when we get to that in a, in a later episode, uh, I mean, it, it, it's really for, these are really for the hardcore fans. Um, yes, definitely for hardcore one-year war fans who yeah. like the one-year war, and that's why Bandai keeps coming back to it over and over and over yeah. and <laughs> over and over and over again. So, I mean, I, I think it's good stuff, but I could personally, there's two things. If, if there was less Nazification yes. yeah. and a little less predictability of every test pilot's going to buy the farm at the end of the episode. Yeah. Also, I uh, should probably mention... You know, briefly, it's not that big of a deal, but you know, people are always talking about this. How, since it's uh, computer animated, that there's kind of a lot of weird facial expressions that people make. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. always been my complaint about CG movies. But you know what? For the budget that it had, it was really good. I mean, but it happens particularly more in Igloo than it does in a lot of other CG stuff that I've seen. Yeah, really? and yeah. some of the, the the only other thing too, and. In, in in, in in addition to the facial expressions is some of the weird movement of like especially like the federation like the magella class and the salamis class yeah they have a really weird kind of like like quick in the first movement it's when the like, first in the first episode with it where the ship writes itself to get away from um the zeons you know yeah. the magella class is like just they're they're, they're drifting like, like the, 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 the freaking uh ae86 <laughs> yeah <from> space <laughs> Yeah, you put Fujiwara Tofu Shop on the side of it. And then, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like man, these these things are f- turning on a freaking dime. Exactly. Yeah, especially the Magellas. Like I understand the Salamis because they're more of a cruiser type and all yeah. that. But um, yeah, the um, and 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 showing that uh, you know, even though <laughs> even though they do get killed in this one throughout uh, throughout MS Igloo, the balls they really put they they really show the balls like not being kind of the death traps they they really were, oh, they were shown to be. I mean. You still had casualties, but they would still <laughs> they still would get some. I'm just like, wow! Is it did they clone uh, Shiro? <laughs> it, it didn't. It didn't help though that like when you actually heard the ball pilots talk, it seems like they got drafted out of the Earth Alliance from from uh, Cosmic Era Universe because yeah. they're all oh, like yeah. genocidal maniacs. Like, hey, let's kill those Zeeks! <laughs> As, ah, kill them! Kill them all! As, especially, we'll, we'll have to definitely do that when we discuss. Uh, uh, Apocalypse seventy nine, because yes, that that ball that ball episode is yeah, yeah. So, but um, any other thoughts, guys, on uh, Hidden One Year War? Good stuff. Just uh, you know, might not appeal to everyone. It depends how much you like the One Year War and how much you like Zeon and Nazis by extension. Yeah, yeah. Solbro, um, I enjoyed it a great deal. Um, it was neat to see it from the Zeon perspective. I just wish that the uh, the the Federation characters are, you know, the Federation's representation wasn't so one-dimensional, but I mean, it's a great, it's a great OAV, and it gives you a different perspective of the One Year War from the um, from what we know as the antagonist side. So, <laughs> not as good as a uh, 0080 when it comes to that um, perspective, but I still, it was a fun watch, and I enjoyed it. Well, um, just my closing thing. I I, I agree with Chris. Uh, the Nazification of Zeon is just a, it just got a little tiresome after a while. But um, uh, like I said earlier, uh, it's a good watch. Um, but you really better be into this, you know, into Gundam and into into the one year or one one year wartime period to really kind of enjoy this because this is really not for the casual fan yeah. um you know there's a lot of stuff in there but um you know 
But uh, that concludes our 17th installment of uh, Gundam Roundup uh, with MS. What are we doing next time? Well, segment 18 is going to be kind of a landmark one and probably um, one that's going to get a lot of stuff going. And, um, you know, we, we thought in the past the Gundam Wing one, there was much anticipation in that. But uh, this one is going to be probably the most, and that will be... Uh, Even more so than g Sapien. Yeah, that'll be the first actual sequel of an alternate uh, century show, and that is Mobile Suit Gundam C Destiny. So, uh, yeah, might be a show killer, but... Um, Listening. Yeah, and Hate Master Austin will be back with us again. Yes, exactly. Uh, joining us live from the Hatagon in Hate Valley, Florida. <laughs> so, uh, but um, with that, we'll be concluding this, uh, the 17th installment of Gundam Roundup. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. He'll keep calling me. He'll keep calling me until I come over. He'll make me feel guilty. There's a. This is ridiculous, okay? I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go with, I'll go. You know what's funny? In Seed, him and Flay had a real close relationship, and I bought that relationship a lot more than I ever bought Locus and Kira. And as much as I like Locus, I didn't feel the love there like I felt with, you know, the crazy-ass um, Flay and Kira. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Him uh, and Flay Flay had a relationship of convenience. Yeah. They just needed, they just and needed it was screwed up because they were both screwed up at the time. Exactly. And one, she blamed him. She wanted him to die in the... When, while she was fooling him, she wanted him secretly to die. Like, like, like the Joker and Harley Quinn, it was mad love, dude. That's all. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. There's, there was some. There was passion there. There was passion. You could feel it. And granted, she yeah, was Sol, using him. Solbro Sol right on this one because yeah. they, you're talking two years. And yeah, two, it, it seemed like they still just kind of met. They opened up an orphanage, and, 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 and I, all Kira did was sit on the porch. I like them now. too from the from the original <laughs> show, but. It worked for Camille. He was just like, what, dazed and confused? Well, yeah, Camille, has that, Camille got, has that experience. Got, Camille got brain raped. That's, that's, yeah. that's entirely different. Yeah. Camille had piloted himself retarded, okay? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Gun, next episode, you will see the tears of time. Next on level nine. Moving on. <laughs> Best, Best RPG. RPG. Ooh. This will be tough. I'm already freaking absolutely, absolutely pissed by just skimming over this. <laughs> you have no idea. Fable 2, Fallout 3, Warhammer Online, Age of The Reckoning. World Ends With You. For the DS? Of all the <laughs> RPGs that came out this year, <laughs> the world ends you put a MMORPG in here. Okay, and the world ends with you. Now the world ends with you got some high ratings. I didn't play it, but people loved it. Where the f is Tales of Vesperia? No comment. You know, where the hell's that one, which was a really highly rated RPG that came out for the 360. Mm-hmm. You know, um, even, I'm even shocked that freaking Infinite Undiscovery's not on here. Yeah, that's um, true. Did Lost Odyssey not come out this year? It did, I think. 
Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I really can't remember. It's, it's it boggles the f- Infinite mind. Undiscovery was... Um, I wouldn't by, put that in here. It was, by most, though, it was kind of underwhelming. Yeah, I wouldn't put that in here, but seriously, you know, like... Uh, seriously, Tales of Vesperia... Uh, this will probably go to Fable. You even have um, another Tales of Symphonia that came out for the Wii. Just recently came out. It just boggles the mind. Mm-hmm. Fable 2, I can understand. Fall mm-hmm. 3, I can understand. Warhammer Online, our agent, should not be in this. <laughs> should not effing be in this. Yeah. I am so... Sorry. Why don't they just RPG? have an MMO category? Yeah. Especially now. I mean, MMOs have been How around many? long enough. War, uh, World of Warcraft, World of Warcraft Burning Crusade, <laughs> World of Warcraft Wrath of the Lynch King, and Warhammer and Age of Conan. Winner goes to Age of, uh, <laughs> World of Warcraft Age of Conan. Wrath of the Lynch King. Funny. I can't believe it beat up Burning Crusade. But anyway, it just boggles <laughs> my mind that you have those two in here. You can't play in the man's game. You can't close them. Then go home and tell your wife your troubles. God damn you. I almost numbchucked you. You don't even realize. What's up, gang? And welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. Um, we haven't done this for a while, but um, finally we, we, we um, decided to go ahead and compile a list of our favorite uh, antagonists in Gundam series. Uh, we'll, we're going to start with our, um, our top five favorite antagonists, and then we're going to move on to our top five least favorite antagonists in Gundam. And we'll start with my favorite top five, and... I'll start. I, mine are actually in a particular order. Uh, my five, the, my number five place is uh, Katagina Luce. She was such a such, such an angry bitch, <laughs> but um, she was cool though, and um, I, I liked her development throughout um, Mobile Suit um, Victory Gundam, which is the series that she appears in. Um, she moves on from being a prima donna um, spoiled girl to being um, a manipulative and. Um, quite crafty and t- talented uh, mobile suit pilot. My next one is uh, Raul LaCruce and he is uh, featured in uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Seed. We talked about that just uh, recently. And in flashback form in Destiny. Oh, oh yeah, mad flashback form. He is the... Uh, <laughs> Playing uh, Ghost Chess. <laughs> <laughs> he is the Liquid Snake of Gundam. And <laughs> now he is. He, he, uh, <laughs> I expected the end battle between him and Moo with his shirt off, duking it out on top of some some wrecked mobile suit. But of course, oh. we didn't get that. Sad. Just, but just um, gave a great image to all the Yowie fans. <laughs> and <sighs> he, he's also the uh, Sorry, the chief Chris. customer of the Gundam pharmacist. <laughs> but he was he, well, he, followed second closely, close second by Louise Halevi. Oh yes, <laughs> and, and dude from Igloo. One of the latest. Saying. Yeah, and and the uh, the the Tic Tac popper from uh, Igloo. <laughs> exactly. But um, I, li- I like Raul because he was he was a magnificent bastard. He really came into his own towards the end of the series, though. He really didn't do much in the beginning besides narrate a, um, a clip show and show up <laughs> here and there. But um, as the series series continued and you found out his connection to uh to Mulaflaga, he was he he came out of his shell and really became a magnificent last boss character by the end. Um, my next favorite um antagonist is in the number three slot is Haman Karn. Um, we talked about her. She was um, my 
uh, second favorite uh, female in the Gundam universe in the last top 10 episode we did. And she, uh, her origin story, which is being um, serialized in Shars Deleted Affair in Japan, the manga series, you really get to find out. You find out in Zeta, of course, you know, that at one time her and Shar were lovers. But in that manga series, you really get to find out exactly how she started out, how kind and nice and, and, and how simple She's girl she was. She's a sweet girl. She's so sweet. And then she eventually becomes the woman. Um, she becomes vengeful. I, w- I would say more uh, w- more vengeful than angsty, but she really becomes a character to remember in the, in the in Zeta Gundam and Double Zeta Gundam. She even makes an appearance in Double O Eighty Three, although she doesn't do much. But the fact that she showed up was cool. Real she memorable character. One, <laughs> one of the best <laughs> one of the best female characters in in the Gundam history. Number two is, uh, and you guys will probably um, agree. Ali Al- machine. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. Machine, no. Machine, because I, no. I love her. Ali Al Sarsi. Even though she's a hero, I'll just put her on the villains list because I love her so much. She's got to be on some list, every list. <laughs> Best t- mobile suit pilot, a machine. I'd be forced to turn in my resignation in that game. <laughs> no, um, Ali Al Sasha Sausage. Ali Al Sausage. Ali Al Sausage. But wait, he's a Muslim. <laughs> yeah, he can't eat, he can't eat pork. <laughs> he doesn't do pork. No pork on his fork. <laughs> but um, Ali Al Sausage. He's also not supposed to drink alcohol, but I don't think oh, he gives boy. a crap. Boy, he's yeah. drinking. He's drinking Jack Daniels like he was his best friend. <laughs> Probably his only friend because he can't kill Jack Daniels. Oh, he can't kill Jack, man. That would, that, would, that would make him commit suicide. But no, <laughs> Ali is the man. He he does so much with so little time on screen. I mean, when he shanked Saji's sister in the rainy alley and left her bleeding there, like Jack the Ripper, dude, it's like, oh, my God. I, the, my favorite scene with him in it, besides when he kills the Trinity brothers, <laughs> is the scene in the car with Saji's Ooh, sister. Okay, anyway. When he slowly reveals that he is Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> I'm a warmonger. <laughs> he slowly reveals that he is Hannibal like Lecter to this chick. Gundam and, engines. And, and that boy from Krugis. <laughs> Krugis brat. Yeah, I trained him and brainwashed him. Not, it was me. Not since when Faye sat next to Vicious have I seen eyes mm. that wide. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I it had exactly like a good that. example. It's Woo, the, one of the dude. best examples. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Sunrise, for that. Yeah, and um, yeah, he's still he's still rocking it out in this season, and I hope he I hope he I hope he steals the show at the end. Last but not least, and this is a given, my Emma favorite Sheen. antagonist of all time is 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 Emma Sheen. No, <laughs> it is the one and only Shar Aznable. That um, what have we not said about this guy? Um, I haven't said much. So. Yeah, you know, we, you quite say, honestly, we haven't said enough. <laughs> he he defined that type of character. He 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 created a character type by 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 just existing. And from 1979 and on, he has been emulated, but not quite duplicated. And uh, he's 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 magnificent in every series he's in, every side story he's in, and um, his story is legendary. I I I got to give it up. I mean, I like him more than Amaro Ray. <laughs> and oh, yeah. He was the he was the main hero of Mobile Suit Gundam, but who who I'm not alone on that one. Doesn't doesn't take much to like him more than Armoro, right? <laughs> not much, but I'm sure we'll go more to Shar as um as you guys go over your lists. But um, who's next? Uh, I guess I will mention M Machine. <laughs> I guess she was in next. the Titans, and I actually do have him in an order. I'll just go from five up. Uh, number five would be Master Asia. 
because oh. I, I think Master nice. Asia, um, <clears throat> even though he, you know, you usually think of antagonists with uh, villainous intents, and we find out that he really doesn't have one. He was just such a great rival to Domon and to everyone else in the Shuffle Alliance, and and even and even to the people he was working for. That guy, uh, yeah, yeah, was it a Wong, Wong. Fat? I mean, he was such a he was such a rival to that guy too. Kind of like Ashar, where he just he was when he came onto the screen, you're like, wow, this this guy is there's something about this guy. So um, he was like a Shaw Brothers villain that just wanted oh, yeah. to Gundam. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Run Run Shaw well, would that's, be proud. He probably was based off a lot of those guys from probably those so. Wuxia movies and all that. Ooh. So yeah, and uh, my number four would be we mentioned him before. Um, actually, I have Ali Al Sarges, not uh, Ali Al Sausage. Well then, so. He's not but, quite um, as delicious. Prince Ali, what else <laughs> What else can you say? I mean, uh, I think we've talked about it before. The guy is just like, when he gets on the screen, chaos ensues. Oh, and, yes. I mean, he's just, he's always he always seems like he's three steps ahead, even even to the people that he's working for. He mm-hmm. always seems like he's got something going on. So, um, you know, I don't know much more we can say about uh, Ali. For being so new, man, he 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 definitely jumped on these lists with yeah, no he, hesitation. Yeah, I mean he's he's kind of the new he's kind of the new proto uh, antagonist for um, you know for probably future series. My number three, I always think that um, he probably wondered why he was in the show anyways was uh, Trace Kushinada. Oh man, because he was just so masterful, and manipulative. It was just the thing is, is he just wasn't in there and. Because we had to go through, um, like we stated when we went over the roundup in Gundam Wing, um, you know the uh, the evil organization of the Ark. Um, you know, if, <laughs> he, he if, might like the Double O universe better. Yeah, I honestly think he would have worked better in the Double O universe. You know, it, it was just such a sad part in those shows, in that show when um, you know he got ousted from power, and you know the other the other baddies that kind of replaced him never lived up to it. And I mean, here's a guy that drove. Even when at the end when Wu Fei kills him, he's still driving him crazy because he got to kill him, but because the way Trey's allowed him to kill him, you know, it wasn't fulfilling. So it screwed up Wu Fei for another hour and a half. So <laughs> and, and, him in for life. And en- an endless waltz. So um, that would be my number three. I'm actually gonna. I actually have co number twos, and they're from the same show Zeta Gundam, and it's Hamankan uh, uh, and uh, Paptimus Soraka. And it was because Paptimus mainly because that guy was just he was so manipulative on a different level. Yeah. And everybody was kind of enticed by his his aura and his kind of swagger that he had and the way he could kind of mess with you with using his little new type powers. And chief. He was one of the few main villains that was a hell of a mobile suit pilot, just like Haman was. You know, these are people that not only led on the bridge, but they led out in the battlefield, too. And they could take on the aces of whoever they went on. I mean, Haman Khan, she probably was the best mobile suit pilot in all of Zeta, mm-hmm. with uh, Sirocco probably being a close second. I mean, they they beat the hell out of Camille and um, you know and Shar at the end of that. What sounds the, cooler than Master Paptimus, dude? Oh yeah, and and, and 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 I mean, when people are just calling you Master Paptimus, y- you know you got it going. And I mean, Haman, what else can we say about her? I mean, she was. She was just so polarizing and, you know, such a great leader. And it was nice to see such a strong female character like that being, you know, not just being the leader of the military forces, but also the leader of a, of a nation in many ways. And, of course, would be, number one would be Char. And especially, yeah, that would be, you know, Char in 
Mobile Suit, First Gundam, and Char and Char's Counterattack. I mean, what else can you really say? I mean, the guy, he rewrote the um, rules for being the uh, rival and created the genre, basically, of as the Red Rivals. So, um, you know, it's here's a guy that, you know, even in Char's Counterattack, he, he wasn't, he knew he wasn't really into his place and what he was supposed to be, but he was still able to, you know, muster up everything and, and to lead and have people just so fearful of him, but also have people so blindly, uh, you know, follow him and, you know, to their deaths. So that would be my, uh, my favorites there, Chris. What would be yours? Well, my five, in no particular order, I'll start with uh, Paptimus Prime. <laughs> For the same reason, you know, he's just so manipulative and he gets so many people to do his dirty work for him. Uh-huh. However, he's not afraid to do dirty work himself, like when yeah. he goes out and assassinates uh, Jamatov. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's manipulating Jamatov. He's manipulating Bath. He's manipulating all his underlings. He's manipulating Haman. He's just like he's just playing everybody. He's the ultimate recruiter, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he sure worked wonders on Emma. I'm not an Emma. Reco, Reco, boy. I was saying Emma so much during during Adam's thing that it just stuck in my brain. But yeah, uh, yeah he did a number on Reco and uh, call his group the Kool Aid Drinkers. <laughs> yeah, and, and Sarah. Oh, Sarah. Sarah oh, was just so blindly was so blindly followed that guy. It was ridiculous. It's like she freaking fapped to to Faptimus. Yeah. I mean, he was—he just did it. He just manipulated everyone so well, and he was a skilled mobile suit pilot on top of that. He wasn't just some schemer. He, you know, had yeah. skills. And he could build them too. And he could build them too because he built all of those mobile suits, like the yeah. Masala and you know the O and uh, Palisathene and the disgusting Bolanok Saman. Oh <laughs> God! So glad when that thing blew up. Yeah. Next on my list, surprise you guys didn't mention these two bastards, uh, the Frost Brothers. The Frost Brothers. Yeah. Because these guys, you know. At first, you don't, for the first, like, ten episodes of the show, you really don't know that they're part of the New Earth Federation, and you're wondering what their game is. But one thing that's consistent throughout the series is just their utter ruthlessness in killing anyone that gets in the way of their goal. Then you find out later that their goals are to get revenge on humanity because, you know, humanity was so obsessed with new types that rejected them for their telepathic ability and labeled them as failures. And it's understandable that they would feel, you know, that rage because the X-Universe really takes the time to develop the whole obsession with new types on both sides, you know, whether it's the Earth side that uh, just wants to use them as weapons and fears them or the space side that deifies them but also uses them as weapons and that these guys rejected that. Exactly. So definitely they are great villains in that respect. And and they have the one of the significances of um, being a major heavy and actually surviving to tell the tale, you know. Yeah, that too. Yeah, they're the only they're the only ones. Um, I, I almost envision them um, becoming becoming detectives and solving crime like Simon to Simon. <laughs> In the oh after God. hours. No, I'm just playing. But um, anyway. <laughs> Next on my list, uh, Ali all sausage. Oh man, delicious. The 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 uh, the butcher. Friday. Literally. <laughs> Because, man, this guy is just, he just kills so many people and gets in so many things. Aside from, you know, getting Setsuna and all these poor little kids to, like, convince themselves to blow themselves up, kill their own parents, Hmm. fight as jihadists. And then he's off as a mercenary, and he's just killing all these people left and right. The shining moment definitely is for me. I don't know how many times I've watched this scene of when he offs both of the Trinity brothers. Oh my like god! This, like punks. Dude, it was quick, quick draw McGraw right there, man. It was like he just walked up, and it was before um, 
before um, you know Michael could do anything, he just bam shot him straight in the heart. Dude, man, I'll tell you, man, he is the master Keaton of gangsters, man. <laughs> it's not a thing. It's not a thing he won't do. <laughs> a person he won't kill to get what he wants, man. He is. He, he is a he's a sight to behold, man. And I, I'm excited for what happens next when Double O with him. Number two, I would put Haman Karn. Oh mm-hmm. man. For the reasons mentioned, you know, she's she's a strong character, and she also is very manipulative politically and personally. I mean, she just, you know, the way that she basically gets Shar to, like, grovel on his knees and beg her for her help and enjoys every second out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the way that she manipulates the Federation and, and has them sell out side three to her and yet still drops a colony on them. Yep. <laughs> and, she, and, of course, her skills as a pilot. The only thing that's kind of eh about her is that you know in ZZ she becomes a bit of a pedo bear with her obsession over judo and and, you know the bizarre idea she develops that committing suicide is better than you know living on and facing up to what she's done but uh, definitely I would note about her and ZZ one of the good things about her is aside from you know the political maneuverings that she normally does she is the only returning Zeta character in that show who doesn't get caught up in any ridiculous antics yeah that's true. She's she's always treated in the exact same way with the same level of seriousness as she was in Zeta. Yeah. No yeah, yeah Mashima has all his fantasies about her, but yeah. that doesn't actually involve her. That's just exactly. his like repre- misrepresentation of her. of her. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. It's like that when is she just actually his shows point of view. up. Mm-hmm. When she actually shows up, she's the exact same Haman. She doesn't get caught up with you know chickens and you know <laughs> pigs and you know weird things. And the end of my list, which I guess was numbered in order of importance, after all, uh, would be Char. Yeah. Man. Because, you know, rather than just being a villain, he's a sympathetic antagonist because you can understand the reasons of why he's doing what he's doing. I mean, in the original series, he's not even really going after the Gundam because he wants to. It's just that he's trying to position himself to take out the zombies. Yeah. But then later you see, as things happen, like when Lala gets killed, that, you know, he becomes you know, focused on killing Amro to get revenge for Lala, and, you know, there's just so many complexities about this guy, from, you know, the way he appears in Zeta to, you know, the way the events of Zeta and Double Zeta make him decide to become an antagonist again. Yeah. And he's just sort of has set the example, not as just as the masked man for many shows outside of Gundam 2, but as that rival for the main character who often duplicated, but never, never quite to the same degree. No yeah. one's been able to match him. Yeah, exactly. And no one ever will. Yeah, I don't think so. I think he's a bar set too high. One of my favorite defining moments of Shar, and it's early on in the show, is his little bond with um his little his friendship with his so-called friendship in quotes with Garma up until the point of Garma's death, where he sh- absolutely shifts gears, like as if as if he has been waiting for this all his life, which he has been. He yeah. shifts gears and he delivers one of the coldest lines in history. <laughs> Blame this on the misfortune of your birth. And it's like, damn, yeah. <laughs> damn, that said chills down my spine, man. And then, you know, definitely it, that still does. Woo, man, I, 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 lo- I love that guy. And, and, and it, I don't think he'll ever be duplicated, man. Honestly. Well, and I will say as an honorable mention, yeah. uh, Yazan Gable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who is sort of uh, the prototype Ali. Yeah. I mean, this guy was just. He was just an animal, and he, he knew it. He just was someone who loved to fight, and he was exactly the way Sarah described him as just like a beast of a man. Yeah. And he didn't care about anybody or anything. He just did what he wanted to do, 
And the only reason he's an honorable mention is, one, because Ali's a bit cooler, and two, because Yazan's reputation gets tainted a little bit by, you know, the kind of Looney Tunes character they turn him into in Devil Zeta. Yeah. I have, Dick um, Dastily. I, I got... I have three honorable mentions, and they're kind of low. One of one of them's a little lower. One of my honorable mentions, and I know this could be debated all up and down, is Jared Mesa. I think Jared Mesa was a great antagonist for what he was, especially at the end when you have the whole discussion with him and Camille about, you know, you you haven't killed as many people as I have, and I'm only doing this because of you. And it's like I thought that was really. I mean, yeah, he's the loser villain, and he would do stuff like he would get a scratch on the mobile suit, and he'd be like, "I can't fight like this," and you know, he would just up and leave. But I, I thought, I, I don't have a problem with Jared. Um, Me neither. Another honorable mention is Graham Maker. True. True. Um, because he's kind of like the cooler version of a Jared Mesa. Mm-hmm. He's got kind of the same obsessions as Jared. But he's a, but he's got skills. But he's got more skills. And Jared was he was skilled, and especially towards the end, he got a lot more skilled. But the straight Jared, difference uh, Graham from the from from jump was this, you know he the was straight the difference between the two though is Graham took an inferior suit and made it superior. Jared, like you said, he get a scratch would on the take suit. Superior and, suits and make man. them inferior. Oh yeah. man, he would trash the sh- out of them, man. <laughs> and and my last honorable mention is just because I and you know one of them I, I just I liked the druggies from Seed. Right. I thought that they were the only ones that could give any. They were the only, uh, the the only pilots in the Seed universe that could give Atherin and Kira problems, and almost defeat them. Wow. When, yeah. I mean, you got to remember in Seed, they blew off the head and the arm and something of the freedom. The wing. Yeah, the wings. When yeah, they, I mean, you had never seen that before, and they were the only ones that could do it. When are they going to get brought to Congress? In front of Congress? I don't know. <laughs> But um, you know, because because those guys were just they were they were chaos makers, and they were only there just to you know just to kill, and you know th- they were completely expendable, and they knew it. Performance and they knew the more people they killed, the longer their lives would be. So they were certainly more effective than their destiny counterparts. Exactly. Who oh really didn't God. accomplish anything? But uh, any honorable mentions for you, Solbar? You guys named name name some of them. I would have mentioned. I I I'm I'm kind of ashamed. I um didn't bring up Trey's. Which is my honorable mention. Actually, he should have probably been in my top five. But um, I think I think then, poor then, Trey's 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 just like Duel. They should just like time warp into other universes. You know, Duo. Going. Duo needs to go to uh, the X universe and hang out with Garrett. <laughs> yeah, and and, and Trey's <laughs> needs to go to Double O. You know, he, and, and 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 hang out with um, you know Ali and Ribbon and those guys. Exactly. You know, he's he's just that kind of uh, he is that dude. A manipulator. He, he would he would out corner corner. Oh, that's for sure. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, corner was kind of a low rent trace. Oh, he was disgusting. <laughs> but um, I guess that would do us to our least favorites. And um, you want to go ahead, Silver, with yours? I certainly will. Um, my least, uh, my number five least favorite is Miliardo Peacecraft. I liked him as a, I liked him as his, as the Lightning Count. But um, as Miliardo, he fell off hardcore, man. He fell off hardcore. He wasn't really, um, I don't know. He just, he just, he ended up being. They scaled back his development. He ended up being kind of a one-note kind of dude towards the end of Gundam Wing, and I, I, I wasn't feeling him towards the end of that show. Um, number four is um, previously mentioned uh, Jared Mesa from um, Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam. No love for Jared, and, man. It wasn't because of my rich dislike of this guy. 
but for the fact that he there was not an aspect about him that was enjoyable i never felt for his character at all unlike Shar, which i completely felt for i mean he's the one who started the conflict between him and camille quite honestly and he deserved everything he got yes he was on point towards the end of the show with his statement about camille, camille. is a girl's name yeah <laughs> There are dudes named Camille, and Camille could have been a bit cooler about the incident, but he's been made fun of his name all his life. I won't make excuses for Camille, but anyway. Uh, but you will. Jared, Jared was like that way before he met Camille. A total dick, and he got what was coming to him. Um, number three, Iron Mask Rona from um, <laughs> F91. This, this guy is just a sick bastard, and I can't believe the dude that tried to snipe him, tried to shoot him in the freaking Iron Mask. He's you could like have a, shot him in the throat, but oh no! He's low rent Destro. Destro, exactly. It's like, are you going to shoot Destro in the face? Don't don't insult Destro by comparing <laughs> him to uh, Iron Mask. Exactly. I just didn't get him. I think he was a weak villain, but he had one of the most gruesome weapon, one of the gruesome weapons, the the bugs, and and his um his Uber suit or Uber Uber armor was pretty badass too. Uh, the octopus. Yeah, the octopus armor. <laughs> from um from Cyberbots, but. Uh, <laughs> The Super 8. No, I'm playing. Um, number two. I, I Maybe I'm saying this wrong, but Murita Azrael from um, Mobile Suit Gundam that, Seed. Yeah. The, 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 the suit himself. <laughs> the the Donald, whiny suit. That, that, that blue uh, Vegas suit. Exactly. <laughs> the, the Donald Trump of Gundam villains. Uh, now you're insulting Donald Trump. You're fired. And that's when he said it right before he shot Badgerel. We're going <laughs> to nuke all these corners. It's going to be huge. Huge. <laughs> He was the Grand Wizard of Gundam too, man. This dude was this dude was a racist. Oh my uh, like, god! Uh, Jabril did eclipse him a little bit, but this dude was ridiculous. He's the man. Grand Wizard of Blue's Cosmos. And, and, and it's, uh, uh, I, I did like the fact that in the movies they kind of show his 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 because like he got beat up by a coordinator. Yeah, it's like, but I mean that's such a weak a weak that's line fun. of reasoning. I know he had an inferiority complex when it came to coordinators. But he was, he just wasn't, he wasn't um, fully at least, developed. At least Sven from Stargazer had more, more, uh, he had more bigger than reason because his parents were killed, yeah. supposedly, by a coordinator. And, and then he was brainwashed bomb. on top of that. So it was like, yeah. there you go, man. Alibi secured. But <laughs> Azrael, not so much, man. That guy was total dick, man. And he was not cool. But my number one, my number one, hmm. and he is a recent entry, mad recent, man. He's still fresh, man. Alejandro Corner, the quasi trays man. Ugh. He was terrible, man. This guy, he had gold embroidered um, communication screens, man. He was <laughs> he he was he was such a frilly dude, man. I yeah. mean, he, he was cool at the beginning of Double Low. He was there. Yeah, he was creepy. Was he was creepy because he kept the company of a young boy. Yeah, he, he was he was a bit of a pedal like, bear. I you know it's he, he, what he, God brought you down to me and all he, this. It's like he oh, was a Nambla, God. He was a Nambla member. We know this. Oh, <laughs> my creepy senses are going off. But this guy, he falls so hard at the end. Even he even has the balls to use a gold suit, <laughs> a gold suit, and he has like the he has the he has like the Uber weapon from Giga Golden Gun and a, and gold, a golden pilot suit and the, a golden yeah. everything. The dude had a gold Luger, man, and he even shamed that. It's it's amazing, but. It, like at the beginning of the show, he was cool. Up to the the recap, he was cool because you didn't know what he was about. And then when he revealed what he was about, when he shot Aeolia Shenberg, his stock continued to fall from that point. And then when he got absolutely punked by Setsuna at the end of the show, 
I thought that was fitting. I actually and, got more punk by Ribbons. Yeah, exactly. Ribbons. And, and, and I love Ribbons to this day for when he rubs it in his face. <laughs> it, it was almost reminiscent to when Char completely pooped on um, <laughs> when completely pooped on uh, Dharma towards the end. And uh, he went out dying with those last words, man. It was excellent. But um, there's my top five. Who, yeah, and I guess that will bring me to mine. Bring you to Neil. I'll just go from five down. Uh, my number five, Guinea Sahalin. Really? God, that guy was so weak. Least favorite. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just like he got up on there. He was, you know, I, I could never believe that he was actually the big bad. And then at the end, when he's he's so sorry, he really can't even pilot the, uh, you know, his ultimate weapon to, you know, do what he needs to do. Mm-hmm. And then he did that punk move where he uh, poisoned all those uh, scientists and then threw a grenade at him. It's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Insult to injury. <laughs> yeah. And um, my number four and we've touched upon this Duke or male from Gundam wing. Oh, oh my man. God. That guy just, he, cause he just, Oh, he just sucked on so many levels. I mean, <laughs> I never understood why anybody would even have him the leader of a foundation cause he was just such an unlikable dude. And he, he brought nothing to the table when it came and you know, it was, he just got, and he even got punked at the end when he got killed. Oh yeah. So, um, that would be, you know, number four, uh, number three, uh, Lord Jabril from uh, <laughs> Destiny, because he was just such a whiny bitch. I mean, the guy was just, uh, you know, and he was just uber racist, and I, I don't know, he's he wasn't nice to anybody, and it was it was funny that that he didn't get killed sooner, because mm-hmm. none of the people that worked under him even liked him. In retrospect, he had less drive to be as racist as he was than even um, Azrael. You really didn't know what his angle was. I mean, you got yeah, to, yeah. you knew nothing about him. But he was just—he was just an imitation Blofeld. Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> With the evil cat. Yeah, my number two is uh, the actual first—the actual first um, incarnation on on the screen of a low rent char, and that's Glemmy Toto from oh, Devil Zeta. No. Because you know, I think we've touched upon it before. How some like just—he's kind of introduced as like kind of a low-level pilot. And then he masterminds some coup, and I just never got it. I just never got it with that guy because, you know, it, it didn't make any sense why anybody would follow him. And, you know, all of a sudden he was like Mr. Genetic Mastermind with all these clones and everything. And it's like, come on. This is really, really <laughs> stupid. But um, my number one, and we talked about it, uh, Silbro had spoken about him, was Azrael from Seed. Oh, no. I mean, this guy was just actually. I kind of got it. He was the perfect example of the the Darth Vader thing. It was better not to know his origin than to know his origin. Yeah. Because, okay, I kind of understood, like, in the show, but when I found in the special edition, just because he got roughed up for lunch money as a a kid (laughs) by a coordinator, he's going to have this deep-rooted just hate and, like, pure hate. Granted, I think his mother was, like, uber racist, too, but still, it was just like... I don't know. He was just such a. He was just so whiny, and you know, he he copied everything from everybody. You know, nothing was his original. I mean, the only reason why he was even he even had any information was because Rollo Crusade was feeding him. You know, all that crazy information. Mm-hmm. So he was as corporate as Vince McMahon. Yeah, but um, <laughs> that would be my uh, my five, uh, Chris. I'll list my five, uh, no particular order. Um, I'll start with one extremely obscure, but just very annoying for the time he's on there. Uh, Stampa Haloy. Oh. Wait, what show was he in? 
He was the ruler of the Tigerbaum colony yes. in Double Zeta. Yes. Oh God. The guy he killed one of the uh, the Moon Moon sisters, and yeah. you know he had like that that whole like museum of mobile suits, and he you know he's trying to like uh, sex up uh, Judo and Haman. <laughs> <laughs> the guy was just utterly, utterly annoying. And what annoyed me the most about him is that, is that he showed up so late in the series when the show had, you know, switched to a more serious tone. And sort of like it, his appearance and all of the antics associated with him devolved the show for like a good two or three episodes back to what it was at the beginning. I so forgot about that guy. Yeah, that guy is just annoying. and Terrible. He's just terrible. <laughs> uh, number four, uh, Cans. Oh God! Yeah, if there was no Dermail, it would have been mine. Would have been Cans. I would. I I dislike Cans way more than Dermail because Dermail at least had some charisma to him, but Cans is just a shrill old man. Yeah, and it's like you really don't get any sense of like why he's doing what he's doing, or that he has any deep motivation to fight other than he just you know hates. Earth and he's like, where are the colonists? We're oppressed, me. Yeah. <laughs> so Ken's yeah. definitely Makuve. <laughs> really? Yeah. Makuve. Crystal balls. Oh. <laughs> he is just, you know, like a dandy who's more concerned with his little aesthetics than actually getting the job done, and is one of, is part of one of these many Zeon backstabbers yeah. that. Imagine if this guy had just given Rambaral the domes that he'd asked for. You know, maybe Rambaral could have taken out the white base and turned the tide of the war very differently, but because he's like, I don't want to help anybody who works for Dovo. Yeah. And then later on, you know, in the TV series, when he's in the, the Geon and he's fighting Amuro, you know, Char's there trying to help, and he's like, get away from me, I'll take him down myself. Yeah. And we'll see how well that worked out. <laughs> Crystal balls. Yeah. Next up... Carozo Rona. Yeah. Oh, man. This guy was just so so weak sauce. I mean, <laughs> okay, this guy gets cuckolded by some dork little, like, midget baker. Right. And then puts on this mask and just becomes a whiny bitch. <laughs> going on and on about his shame and yada, yada, yada. And this guy was just, like, the biggest dork ever. Terrible villain. Absolutely terrible. And it, maybe maybe he would have room to expand if they had more time to expand it, but I honestly don't... Uh, you know what? I, I'm probably Still, wrong on we that. Have, we have to judge what is, not what could have been. True. Yeah. True. Yeah, we, and we, what we, is is that he's just a bitch. Exactly. <laughs> I agree. Oh, no. I have so, no argument there. And number one... Um, crap, I forgot. Oh, no. Because I didn't write... I didn't, I didn't write this down. Just give me one second to scroll through uh, the various series and, and see who I want to say. Well, I, I can go some my honorable mentions real quick. Sure. While, while you're doing that. I do also have Iron Mask on there. Nice. For all reasons said. Another least favorite was a, a Wong Young Fat from G Gundam. Because, I don't know, that guy just completely bothered the hell out of me the whole time. I did like him a little bit, but I guess he's in the middle for me. Uh, Dakem. From Endless Walls. I understand, but he was just, he was kind of in the cants form. You know, he was just some shriveled up old man just complaining about things, you know, like, you kids get off my yard, you know, and all this <laughs> stuff. And um, the low rent burn burnings, Chronicle Asher from Victory. Because <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> uh, that's all he reminded me of was, uh, you know, because he couldn't decide to keep that mask on or not. And he just kept getting punked the whole time. 
and for being you know the the brother of the queen you think he'd have a little bit more standing a little bit more respect from even the people i mean it was so bad these but he was would, just a weasel these people would not respect him he was such a weasel it was one thing to talk bad about him behind his back they would do it in front of him Damn. and that was the thing that got me it's like man they here, here's the guy that you know he's he's the brother of the leader of your nation and people are crapping on him in front of him not even caring but not yeah, he a was damn, just, man. Oh. And he had the worst mask ever, too. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's like when when you know, he he was the low rent burn burnings. Dude had a ski mask. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I remember I remember my guy and again, this is not my my top my worst five is not in any particular order, but my number one guy is uh Swetson Stero. Swetson? Oh god. <laughs> I had a feeling he'd make it. Really? <laughs> This guy, I mean, oh, basically, yeah. he did he's like he's like the equivalent of just a fat troll. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. literally is just a fat troll because he's just whiny and annoying and stupid and doesn't care about anything and just wants to fight, but he even sucks at fighting. I mean, he's just like a failure on every level. And I was so glad that he got killed the way he did by Gim Ginganum. Yes, yeah. indeed. <laughs> his death so, is also satisfying, especially when he's killed by a superior officer. Yeah, Outst- outstanding work. <laughs> it's like it's I'm like old. it's like when um when Galvatron shot Starscream. I, I applauded. <laughs> Long time coming. Long time coming. But go ahead. Exactly. Honorable mentions for just bad, bad, bad people. Speaking of turn a Agrippa maintainer. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. This, about that. this guy, it's like I don't even know what to say about this guy. I mean, he's just some kind of weirdo. Obviously, makes a very, very cheap power grab to steal, you know, my beloved Diana's throne from her, <laughs> and just does it so blatantly. Then he's playing around with Gim Ginganum and lets this guy loose and has no idea what he's done by letting that guy loose. Yeah. And he can't control him, and he just tries to like sit on the fence of like. Hey, Diana, I'm stabbing you in the back, but no, not really. And, yeah. oh, what's Gim doing? I don't know what he's doing. Oh, but I really do. And, you know, this is all your fault for doing what you're doing. He is just a moron. And it was so glad that he also got off by another villain. Yeah. <laughs> another mentionable, um, along the lines of the Sweat and Stipe character, uh, another one from Double Zeta, Gemon Bajak. <laughs> Gamon, oh Gamon. <laughs> That's all I ever man. think of. Yeah. Yes. That guy was terrible. He, he's he's much more impressive when he's he's a dog in in SD Gundam, but yes. as a human <laughs> in Double Zeta. <laughs> yeah, as when he's a Muttley impersonator, that's fine. But as a human, he's he's just a dork and a failure, and oh. guy guy can't even design a mobile suit. Trash I mean, who man. designs? Who? Do, why would a why would anybody design a mobile suit with a rotating cockpit? <laughs> I never understood that. He's just an idiot. Another along the lines of, you know, fat morons that are annoying, and this is a recent addition, Arthur Goodman. <laughs> oh, wow. This is a guy who's just like, he's just crass and annoying and ugly, and, you know, basically he's just a dick, and he's all, you know, like, I'm Mr. Big Fat Important A-Laws guy, and, yeah. you know... <laughs> And and just well, really one of the things that pissed me off most recently about him was when they fire Memento Mori at uh, you know the Africa Tower. He just is so excited about this, and he's like, "Watch as a hundred years of mankind's scientific progress is blown up in an instant." It's like, 
do you even care about stopping the, the quote-unquote terrorists, or you just want to blast the, the tower just for the fun of it? That's what I'm saying. Because it's, it's, it's an easy target, and it won't, it won't fire back. It won't fire back. It, but, it won't fire back, and he wants to see it blow up. But, I mean, the scale of the loss of humanity during that, you figured he'd have a conscience. Because he knows, he knows it's, it's amazing. It's like, how did, how did these guys end up in the military? I mean, seriously, how do you, how do you end up in the military? You have to be a sociopath straight you up lick, and down. You lick, you lick enough boots. You can go anywhere. That's exactly what but it is. That's absolutely disgusting, man. And there's real people that do exist that are like that. But man, it's yeah. it's it, it 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 boggles my mind that he could shoot a gentle side of weapon like that, and 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 be excited at be as excited as he was about that. I I, I can't wait to see his end. And mind <laughs> you, even though celestial being and all those other mobile suits, they saved all the people on the ground. Yeah. All those poor civilians that were in the trains coming down, they all got killed in the worst way. Oh yeah, yeah man. Yep. Those trains ex. crashing into each other or exploding or being exposed to space, all those poor civilians died yep. as a result of, you know, this dork firing his big old laser. And let's not even forget, even though they were blowing up those uh, large panels, they still came down in shards. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure the shards are still large enough to take out a person. And last Shit. honorable mention, um, and bear with me here because this is, this is my argument for, you know, one of the worst antagonists, Bernard Moncha. <laughs> oh <laughs> well yeah he he technically was the antagonist for co he was he was trying to steal that freaking viper's heart he uh, kept trying to steal that gundam and he was being such a dick yeah. and an asshole and i mean I, i've made it very clear on this podcast before how much i hate this man and this is one of my most hated if not most hated characters ever in gundam and you know given that he ended up as a titan later and presumably did very bad things during the zeta era that's how i can shoehorn him in into you know one of the worst antagonists ever yeah, Aside from all the stuff he did to Ko. Yeah, because I, 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 could, I could honestly think that this guy was the lead. He was running point on the 30 Bunch incident. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, if 0083 had preceded uh, Zeta in production, I mean, you could almost, you could almost picture Moncha being one of these guys hanging out with, like, uh, you know, Yazan and all these other guys, like, you know, just smarmy asshole titans. He, he, he probably would have been one of those guys beating the crap out of Bright in Basque's office. Wow. I, I could see him hanging out with uh, Capricorn. Oh, yeah. They would have been perfect together. Hanging out at Space Dust. <laughs> let's, let's envision him as one of the dudes that got shot during the re-entry. <laughs> Which presumably is what happened because, you know, if Monsha became, you know, if Monsha was a Titan, then he probably was one of those guys that got vaporized by grips. Yeah. Can of fodder for Exactly. Can of fodder for Camille. That's all I can say. But, um, I guess probably, nice. he it's, probably got, he probably got shot by Cot. Man, it, it, oh, sheesh. That's a, that'd be real bad. This is becoming six degrees of Bernard Mancha. All right. Oh, man. <laughs> but, um, well, that's awesome. it for me with my honorable mentions and, and worsts. Well, um, looks like we've covered a lot of ground this segment. Anybody else have any, any things to add? Nope. nope. Well, well then, there you have it. We finally did another top, um, we did another hot list for, um, Gundam. And we will be back in just a few moments with more Gundam at MAHQ. End of discussion! Debate is over. You will write a formal apology. I will what? A formal apology. You will kowtow. You will step and fetch. Frank, if you think you can Get take me... Get used to it. It's the way of the world. If you're so hot on discipline, then Gundam it. Start by accepting mine, because contrary to popular opinion, 
I'm the head in charge. Come on, let's get something to eat. You really think you're bad, don't you? Striking out on finding your favorite manga, anime, or series merchandise nearby or online? Lost when it comes to finding pop music from Japan, Hong Kong, and other Asian markets? Well then, Florida Oriental Trading is here to help. If you live in the Central Florida area, head on over to the intersection of Colonial Drive and Mills Avenue near downtown Orlando. You'll find FOT right next to the CVS Pharmacy. For those who live abroad, find out more about our favorite store online at FloridaOrientalTrading.com or call them directly at area code 407-895-0650. FOT carries a large selection of merchandise such as art books, t-shirts, posters, wall scrolls, soundtracks, PVC figurines, models, and much, much more. Also, it's a great place to find imports of your favorite musical artists and the latest films from Japan, Hong Kong, and other Asian countries. Last but not least, Florida Oriental Trading is not only home to the best selection of anime on DVD in Central Florida, but there you'll find a wide variety of manga too. On top of that, all of their manga is always priced at 20% less than retail, daily. 20%. That's right, Frank. 20%. Florida Oriental Trading is open every day except Wednesdays from 10 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You even find them open most holidays. So if you're local, stop on by and visit Quan and Debbie or give them a call at area code 407-895-0650. And give them the business. Tell them Gundam at MAHQ sent you. I'm in the Gundam PTA. Hey everybody, you've uh, just sat through another ear-bleeding episode of Gundam at MHQ. In this episode, we took a look at um, something that we haven't done in a very long time. We did a top five list of our uh, top five best villains and uh, top five worst villains. And then we also continued Gundam Roundup with uh, an installment in the Universal Century, MS Igloo, the Hidden One Year War. We'll be uh, coming back to MS Igloo in a future episode, but before that would be uh, Sea Destiny. <laughs> so, with our next episode being a live show at Megacon, uh, you guys have any uh, anticipation towards that? Just that we hope that everybody's able to make it that's able to go, go there and, you know, like if there's any, uh, any changes, just, you know, check the boards and check the Twitter site that Chris had set up and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys and... Um, you know, making it even more successful than last year's. Well, I'm I'm in, I'm as nervous as all get out all over again. So oh <laughs> all I could say is um, we we should definitely have a good time. Everybody, bring your questions and come ready to talk. We'll be passing the mic around, and it this is gonna be exciting, man. I can't wait for this. I um I just everything should go well. I shouldn't talk because I might be jinxing us, but anyway. Um, <laughs> other than that, way, way um, to have a positive outlook on life. I do have a. Be- <laughs> And um, I'm just used. To, I'm just used to chaos. Exactly. Just just because you like Saji doesn't mean you need to act like Saji. Oh man. Thank you. But that's that's he's my spirit animal, man. Oh god. <laughs> oh good. That that I there there needs to be a hunting season for Sajis, just like there is for deer. Sweet. And wabbits. And wabbits. <laughs> 
but, um, but yeah, no, we're looking forward to it, and you know, just want to thank you know some of the folks at Anime Sushi for giving us the opportunity to have two panels this year, and um, you guys check it out, and that's about it. Well, all right, well, uh, well that wraps up episode thirty of Gundam at MHQ. Oh, uh, episode- but don't forget to peep the websites: <laughs> mhq.net, gundam.net, the new Twitter account at www.twitter.com/mahq. D-O-T-N-E-T and reach us by email Gundam M-A-H-Q at gmail.com and you can find us on MySpace Facebook Twitter now and um, of course uh, iTunes and Zoom the um, the poor man's iTunes alright <laughs> it's, not, it's not that funny when it happens to you does it Chris oh my god I'm sorry I, I blew you out I blew you out I messed up your I have, a, I have a feeling Chris was about to give it to you but once again so I had to jump the gun people know man we got a plug man <laughs> Let I the man said it finish. my bad my bad my bad okay so that wraps up episode <laughs> 30 we'll be coming at you for episode 31 live from megacon and then we'll be uh back to business as usual for episode 32 you're listening to gundam at mahq <laughs>